Welcome to our podcast. We're so glad you found us. Our prayer is that you listen to this with an open heart and an open mind to let God in. Let's hear this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, that was 37 years ago that we met in a Christian bookstore. Thank you very much. We met in that Christian bookstore. And, uh, well, we have... uh, been doing ministry together, in a sense, with Ron and Brenda ever since, and uh, we appreciate them. Uh, They are the real deal, and uh, you guys are blessed to have them as your pastors. Um, My wife, Jeannie's here with me today. Uh, Honey, stand up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I should tell this story or not, but anyway, years ago, church in in Nuevo is is having... uh, They've had all kinds of problems in the church. They're down to like 13 people, and they invite us to come up, and they said, we think we want you to take our church. And, and so I speak, and then uh, somebody who was with me, I had him get up and answer a few questions, and they said, well, how can we trust you? And uh, there's 13 people in the church, and they're all there, right? And they, they, they said, well, how can we trust you? And he said, well, look at our wives. And my wife turns around in church and goes, She really did. And they all just, they just broke. They just started to laugh their heads off. And, uh, and they said, yeah, you, you, you're normal. <laughs> and uh, the church did really well to uh, put in a pastor. Anyway, uh, Proverbs. I'm going to share a short word with you this morning. Proverbs 18, verse 21. says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it, will eat the fruit thereof. How many ever heard somebody say you're going to eat your words? Now, the truth is we do. We do. And the Bible says there's so much power in your words, in your tongue, that even death and life, the direction of your life, James said it this way in James 3. He said, a ship can be going through a a very, very powerful storm. But the storm doesn't determine where the ship goes. He said the, the helmsman, the rudder, determines where the ship goes. And he says, and so is your tongue. And so is your tongue set among your members. The Bible's saying your words, and it's not the storm that you're going through that sets the direction of your life, but it's the words that come out of your mouth. Right? Now, I'm going to be talking to you about, about your words today, but you have to remember this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you've got to have the right thing in your heart for it to be coming out of your mouth. Uh, You can teach a parrot to say something, but it's got to be coming from the heart. It's when it's coming from the heart that there's so much power in your words. So in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. But verse 2 says, And the earth was void and without form, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Some of your translations say that the earth is catastrophic. It's an absolute mess, right? And there's darkness on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, wow, it sure is dark. Well, that's what God had in front of him. What was in front of God was dark. 
But God didn't say dark. God said, let there be light. And so often what we do is we just give a report of what we see. We give a report of what's in front of us. Right? So God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God said, let there be trees, and let there be birds. And, and God just kept on saying, let there be, let there be, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Then God creates man, and he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So when God created you, he created you to have dominion. And he created you in his image, in his likeness. Now, by the way, how does God get things done? But what he says. And God said. Now, the same thing is going to be happening with man. The way that you get things done in the spiritual realm is by what you say. Notice that God gave him dominion. In uh, Psalms 8, it says, What's man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you've visited him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. Again, you were created to have dominion over all the works of his hands. It's interesting to me in Genesis, the second chapter, God puts man in the garden. And he said to the man, in Genesis 2, 15, in the Amplified Translation, he says that he put him in the garden to guard, tend, and keep. Guard, tend, and keep. Now, who was he guarding it from? Satan. How was he going to exercise his dominion? With his words. When Satan came and tempted Eve, Adam's responsibility was to say, Satan, get out of here. That was his responsibility. He was going to guard and keep that garden by the words that he spoke. But unfortunately, what happened, Adam and Eve, they bowed their knee to Satan. And when they did, something very interesting happened. That dominion that they had been given, Satan began to usurp or use that dominion. In fact, in the New Testament, in Luke's Gospel, Satan is tempting Jesus it says he takes him up to a high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. So Satan said that the authority and the glory, some translations say dominion, of all the nations of the earth, he said, someone gave it to him. Say, who gave it to him? Well, Adam did. Because God gave it to Adam. But when Adam bowed his knee to Satan, Satan reached in and took that authority. Um, when that happened, the world changed. The earth as we know it changed. It says in Romans 5 and verse 12, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. Now, what happened is death, sin, sickness, disease, famine, pestilence, every evil thing that you can think of came in when Satan came in. And I know a lot of people really believe that 
All the problems of this world are things that God wants to have happen. I would disagree, and I believe the Bible would disagree. In 1 John 5, verse 19, it says, We know positively that we are of God. How many would say, as a believer, you'd say, we're of God? Now, here's the rest of the verse. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. You say, why is there cancer? Why is there AIDS? Why is there famine? Why is there racism? Why is there all this stuff? It's because of the devil. The whole world around us is under the power of the devil. A lot of people think, well, everything that happens is God's will. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But he said, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If it kills and steals and destroys, it wasn't God that brought it in. It was the devil. Now, what Jesus came to do was reverse that situation. When he arose from the dead, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go, therefore. So he takes that authority, but he immediately gives it right back to the church. In Luke 10, Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. And nothing shall by any means hurt or harm you. So you've been given that authority. Right? Now, the way that we exercise it is, is twofold. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, the Bible says, Since we have the same, literally the identical, it could actually be even translated like a carbon copy. We have the same spirit of faith. Right? Now, more than anything, faith is a spirit. It's a spirit. You can learn principles about faith, but it is the spirit of faith. All right? And the spirit of faith is more caught than it is taught. It's more caught than taught. David had it when he was 14 years old. Moses had it when he was 80. It has nothing to do with your age. Right? So since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. So there's really there's two parts. There's a believing part and there's a speaking part. We believe, therefore we speak. Right? And uh, you, you believe, it, it's that faith. I, I love what it says in Romans uh, 1 and 17. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So I would, I would say two things about this. God does not have a plan for your life that does not include faith. Right? God's plan for your life includes faith. And notice it's from faith to faith. So the faith you start out with is not enough to get you where you're going. Right? Your faith has to keep on growing. It has to keep on developing. Right? And again, there's a believing part. There is this speaking part. So let me kind of set this up. Right? Mark chapter 11. Jesus is staying at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. A little town called Bethany. Three miles outside of Jerusalem. Right? He gets up in the morning and he's going down to, to Jerusalem so he comes down the Mount of Olives. In some place along the way, Jesus sees a fig tree. And he's hungry. 
He goes to the fig tree and looks for figs. He doesn't find any. And he said to the tree, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. He went into Jerusalem. He would have just gone down that Kidron Valley and uh, gone right up through the eastern gate, right into the Temple Mount. Walked back up to Bethany that night. Spent the night with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Comes down in the morning and passes the tree. And when they pass the tree, the disciples say, Jesus, look at the tree that you cursed. Now, I think it's interesting that they, what they said, they said, you cursed that tree. Jesus didn't say, you blankety blank, 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 blank tree. Right? Jesus spoke negative words to the tree and said, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. You know, your words bless people and your words can curse people. In fact, God said to the, the, the Levites, he said, you shall bless my people saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you. Lord, be gracious to you and give you his peace. How do they bless? By saying. How do you curse? By saying. You know, you can curse your kids. And you're never going to amount to anything. You can't do anything right. You're going to end up in prison someday. Over 80% of the people in the federal penitentiaries were told by their parents they'd be there. It's amazing. You can curse and you can bless. So Jesus said to them, he said, Mark 11, verse 22, have faith in God. Or Greek scholars say we can translate it, have the God kind of faith. Now the God kind of faith, by the way, is what you believe and you speak. And Jesus said, verse 23, King James says, verily. Other translations say, truly or assuredly. Now, this is Jesus talking. How many of you know Jesus always tells you the truth? Just lift your hand. You know, Jesus always tells the truth. So when he starts, a, he starts a conversation with you, and he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. It means two things. Number one, he will tell you the truth. Number two, you will not believe him. So for the next 15 minutes or so, I'm going to talk to you and tell you what Jesus said. And this is what Jesus said right off the bat. He said, what I tell you is true, but when you hear it, you won't believe it. You will think that can't be right. There's got to be more to it than that. But Jesus said, verily, I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Now, what Jesus didn't say is what most of us think he said. He didn't say, you see what I did to that fig tree? I killed it with my words. Now listen, I did that because I'm God. I learned to do that in heaven. I can do that. God the Father can do that. If you try to do that, you will blow the lips off your face. That's not what Jesus said, but that's what we think he said. What Jesus said is whosoever. So this will work for you if you're young or old, if you're rich or you're poor. This will work for you if you're illiterate. This will work for you if you have five PhDs. 
This will work for you if you live in a mansion. And this will work for you if you live in a cardboard box underneath a bridge on an expressway. This will work for whosoever will say to this mountain. Now, the first thing that Jesus said about faith is that faith will move your mouth. It'll work for whosoever will say. So all you need to do to be disqualified is keep your mouth shut. All you need to do is, you know, well, I believe that. Yeah, I, that's what I believe. Well, it's not going to work for you if you just believe. It won't work for you unless you say. Whosoever will say to the mountain. Now, what most people do is talk about their mountain. Right? They talk about, oh, man, my, my back. My back bothers me. It's been bothering me for years. I've had four operations. I take 16 pills every day for my back. And did you know my dad had problems with his back? And his dad had problems with his back. You know, I bet my kids are going to have problems with their back. And my back, it hurts so much. And my back cost me so much money to get all those, that medicine. Jesus didn't say talk about your mountain. He said to talk to your mountain and tell it to be removed. Right? You need to talk to it. You say, well, the, the doctor said, I've got cancer. You need to start having a conversation with cancer and say, cancer, in Jesus' name, I curse you and I bind you and I command you to get out of my body. Well, I, I don't think, you know, I, I want to do that. Well, then you can get the help the doctor can give you. I mean, but Jesus said, I was brought up here in, in, in Grand Rapids area. Right? We have three major denominations that all had their headquarters there. And uh, I was brought up in one of those denominations. And we believe that everything that happened was God's will. Right? I mean, we seriously, everything is God's will. I mean, we've had relatives get mad at us. All right? For because we're saying, well, we need to talk to this person and we need to encourage them. We need to pray for them. We need to resist the devil. And our relatives get mad. He says, if God wants to heal him, he will. And if he doesn't want to, he won't. In fact, if we would fall down the stairs, we would like get up and say, wow, I'm glad that's done because we thought God had planned for us to fall down the stairs. And we thought everything was God's will. Right? Now listen. If God wanted the mountain in your life, Jesus would not have told you how to move it. If God wanted the mountain in your life, Jesus would not have told you how to move it. Number two, it's not up to God whether the mountain stays or leaves. It's up to you. Jesus said the mountain will obey you. Right? You got to speak to that mountain. You got to take authority over that mountain. Right? Now, here's something that Jesus said that I, I think is very interesting. He said, and do not doubt in your heart. But believe the things that you say will come to pass. So you've got to believe the things that you say. Right? Now listen, if you're that person that you're not, you're not concerned about what you say, you say, yeah, I'll be there at 8 o'clock. And you don't leave the house till 8 o'clock. 
You know what you're doing? You're teaching your heart not to believe what you say. The check's in the mail, but the check's not in the mail. You know what you're doing? You're teaching your heart to not believe what you say. You've got to value your word. And you will do anything. In fact, the Bible talks in Psalms about how you swear to your own hurt. Even when it's not convenient. Even when it costs you. If you said you'd do it, you do it. You've got to value your own words. Jesus said you've got to believe that what you say will come to pass. And if you're constantly teaching your heart not to believe what you say, your heart does not make a distinction when, well, now I'm believing the Bible. No, that's not how it works. Right? That's not how it works. Your heart doesn't know. Right? And we have to boldly proclaim what the Word of God says. It's in Philemon 1, verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. See, we need to acknowledge, we need to begin to speak out boldly who we are in Christ, what belongs to us in Christ. Jesus said, and don't doubt in your heart. And don't doubt in your heart. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just think that person, they just didn't have faith. Might be the case, but probably not. Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. There is a man who has brought a son who has seizures to nine of Jesus' disciples that are down on the bottom waiting. They minister to this boy, but they are not able to help the boy. When Jesus comes, the man runs over to Jesus and says, have mercy on us. Help us, help us. And Jesus said, well, what's the problem? He said, well, my son, he has seizures, and often he's thrown in the fire and in the water. And if you can do anything, help us. Please help us. Now, notice what he said. Jesus, if you can do anything. Now, here's what Jesus did. Jesus would not take responsibility. He said to the man, if you can believe. If you can believe. We're saying, oh, God, just whatever you want. But it's what... You can believe. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now listen to what the man said. He said, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Right? You see, unbelief and, and doubt, they're like the opposite of faith. It's like you've got a horse called faith here and a horse over here called doubt. And if they're pulling against each other, most of the time, faith is not the problem. Jesus said, if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, all right, just the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. But the problem is, not only is there faith, there's also doubt. And when the disciples came afterwards and said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, because of your doubt or your un." belief no because of your doubt or your unbelief so we need to we need to be sure that we're not allowing that doubt in that unbelief to dominate our lives and the disciples said well jesus said how do you take how do they they said how do you take care of it 
And he said, well, this kind, this kind of doubt doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. So it's not God's will for the mountain to be there. And it's not up to God whether it stays or whether it leaves. It's up to us. You've got to believe the things that you say will come to pass. Right? Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God's word was first spoken. It proceeded out of the mouth of God. It was first spoken, and then it was written. Right? And it's written so that you and I can speak it. It's written so we can speak it. All right? And, and I believe this. If you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd start talking. You'd start speaking. There's victory. There's provision. There's deliverance. There's peace. There's healing on the other side of that mountain. And if the mountain's there, you can move it. If it's there, you can move it. Now, I don't believe you can, your faith can prevent all mountains. But every mountain that shows up, Jesus said, if you'll speak to that mountain, that mountain will obey you. Now, your mountain needs to hear your voice. Right? You've got to speak to that mountain. Now, if it's cancer, you say, you, you, cancer, I'm speaking to you. But you need to call that thing up. 1-800-MOUNTAIN. And you need to say, mountain, cancer, I've got some things I want to say to you. And by the way, for most people, your mountain is a local call. It's not a long ways off. Right? But your mountain needs to hear your voice. You say, well, I come to church here, and I don't know what Pastor Ron does anyway all week long. What does the pastor do? I mean, he just talks for a half hour on Sunday. I want him to speak to my mouth. I'm paying my tithes here. I'm paying. I want him to speak to my mouth. Well, you may just as well say, I need to lose 20 pounds, so I want Pastor Ron to go to the gym. <laughs> if he goes to the gym... He's going to lose 20 pounds, not you. Right? And if he's speaking to the mountain, his mountain's moving, but yours isn't moving. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Right? Your address in the Spirit is your voice. And Jesus said, it'll be cast into the sea. Right? Now, the sea is the one place that can receive a mountain and cover it up. I believe what Jesus is saying is this. You can have a mountain of addiction in your life today. And you can speak to that mountain, and it will be removed. And five years from now, somebody will come to you and say, have you ever had any problems? And you'll say, yeah, I had this addiction. And they'll look at you and you say, no, you didn't. That's a lie. Because there will be no sign, no residue, that the mountain was ever even there. It will be gone. It will be cast into the sea. Now, in Ephesians 3 and 20, the Bible says, now to him 
who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. And here's the interesting thing about that verse. is almost nobody quotes the rest of it. Right? Yes, God's able to do it exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. But here's the rest of the verse. According to the power that works in us. It's His power, but it works in you. It's not your power, it's His power. But where is it? It's at work in us. And how is that power released? By what you believe and you say. You believe it and you say it. It's God's power, it's not your power. But where is it? It's in you. It's in you. Right? And we're also often just waiting, well, whatever God wants. No, 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 no. Again, Jesus would not have told you to move that mountain if it was God's will for the mountain to be there. And according to Jesus, it's not up to God whether the mountain moves. It's up to you and it's up to me. People hate that. You say, why? Because it puts responsibility on us. Huh? We just want, well, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Now, then he says this. He says, you will have whatsoever you say. Now, this goes way back to where we started in Genesis 1-2. God's looking at darkness. He, he's looking at literally a, a catastrophe. It's catastrophic. But God doesn't say how dark it is. God said, let there be light. I want you to listen. Most Christians tell you what they have. And all they ever get is what they've already got. But Jesus said you can have what you say. So Jesus is saying, don't say what you have. Say what you believe. Say what you believe God has provided for you. Right? And when you do that, you will have what you say. Now, Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you say. The Greek word there is the word lego. L-E-G-O. All parents and grandparents know what lego is. All right? Um, my grandson, Tristan, loves Legos to this day. Uh, several years ago, for Christmas, I thought, well, I'm going to get him some Legos. So we go to the store, and they got all kinds of stuff. Well, I find this, this box, it's got this picture of this red fire engine on it, and I thought, all right, that's what I'm getting him. So I buy it, we wrap it up, we give it to him on Christmas Day. He tears the paper off, opens it up, and to my great disappointment, there is no red fire engine inside. But what there is inside is a whole bunch of little rectangles. Right? And you could put those things together systematically and make the picture of the fire engine that was on the cover of the box. But what he had to do was systematically put them together. The Greek word lego means your set systematic discourse. What you say, tell, and declare. What you say, tell, and declare. So, here would be an example. I'm going to have used before, but 
Suppose uh, you're leaving service today, you and your wife, and you're driving down the road, and, and you say, oh, honey, my head hurts really bad. Last week, Bob was cutting his grass down the street, felt dead with an aneurysm. I think I've got one. But in church, because here's what I think is interesting. If, if you had just changed this verse with two words, all Christians would have victory. If Jesus had said, you'll have whatsoever you say in church. You ever hear people in church? Man, I've been, I've been a pastor a long time. I hear people in church. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Thank you, I'm healed. Thank you for health. Thank you for provision. Thank you for peace. Hallelujah! In church. In the car, I think I have an aneurysm. <laughs> you don't get what you say in church. You get what you say in the car. It's your set, systematic discourse. What you say, what you tell, what you declare. And just like Tristan took those parts I don't remember if there were 360 parts or whatever it was, and systematically put them together and created the fire engine that was on the box. You systematically, with your words, you create what the Bible tells you belongs to you. Right? Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say. So don't just say what you have. Say what Jesus purchased for you, what the Bible promises you. I don't know if anybody's counted them. I don't know where they came up with the number, but they say there are 7,700 promises in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. Right? And the Bible tells us in Corinthians that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Every one of them belongs to you. And I don't know what your case is, not what the problem is, what the mountain is, but there is a verse that covers your case. Right? We've got to get that down on the inside of us. We need to begin to say it. And, and let me close with this thought. There's, there's really there's two types of confession that I want to mention. There's a confession unto faith. Right? Get that? A confession unto faith. The first time that you quote that verse and say that verse, you might not be believing it yet. But you keep on saying it. And you keep on meditating on it. Until that thing just becomes a part of you. Right? Now let, let's just take the, the verse in Mark 16. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Right? You, you begin to quote that verse. You begin to think about that verse. You begin to meditate on that verse. Um, somebody said, well, I don't even know if I know how to meditate. Let me ask you this. How many of you know how to worry? That's meditating on the wrong thing. That's all it is. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. All right? So you just begin to, it just becomes a part of you. you know? I woke up this morning. I was laying, I'm dreaming, all right? I was dreaming. I'm laying hands on somebody, commanding sickness to come out of them. That's in my dream. You say, how did that happen? Well, because I was doing that while I was awake. Right? You gotta, it's got to become a part of you. Right? But there's a confession unto faith. But then there's a confession of faith. 
There comes a day when that thing is alive on the inside of you, and it is bigger than any mountain that you're facing. All right. So would you bow your heads? But, but, but before you do, if you came with somebody, would you take their hand? And if you're online, if you can do the same, just take their hand. In a group of this size, there's people in about every spiritual condition. There's people you've lived for God for decades. And there's people that are here that you know you're not right with God. And there's some of you, you know you're away from the Lord. You've drifted away. You never planned to. But something got in between you and God like a wedge. And you've just drifted away and you need to come home. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, the Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. Get that? That you may know. I, I talk to people and say, are you a Christian? Well, I, I hope I am. I'm trying to be. But the Bible says you need to know you're forgiven, right with God, and on your way to heaven. And if you don't know for sure, you're not where you should be with God. And we're going to pray a prayer in just a, just a moment. And if you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, you say, I, I've never given my life to God. You, you will pray this prayer from your heart. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Now, if you got that hand, I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. And I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer. And I'm now a part of your kingdom. Today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're still holding that hand, every head bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, and I meant that prayer, and I have given my heart to Jesus, I've come back to Jesus, I've turned my back on my old life, I'm not living for myself, I'm living for Him. If that's you, when I say three, would you squeeze that hand? One, two, three. Squeeze that hand. I prayed that prayer. And I meant it. I'm, I'm living for Jesus. I've given him my heart and my life. Squeeze that hand. Now, when I say three, someone squeeze your hand. Would you just lift it? One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen sets of hands. And Father, we pray right now for each person that's just come and given their heart and their life to Jesus. We pray they grow strong in the Lord, the power of your might. We pray you surround them with Christians to help them with their new life. We pray, Father, you give them great hunger for your word and revelation in it. And we pray that their faith will never fail. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision to accept Jesus into your heart, let us know on the app or on our website, mylifechangechurch.tv. 
We'd also love it if you subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. We hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless.